And now, The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. And welcome to The Fine Print, Advice for Living in a Legally Complicated World. I'm Jen Rout. I'm your host. With me today is my hapless sidekick, Ben Needenthal. Mostly hapless is, is probably <laughs> probably pretty accurate. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, welcome to our first episode here. Um, I am not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and uh, But, however, Jen is a legal expert uh, of almost every every kind of qualification that there is so she knows everything i think ben may be overstating this just a touch i know very little about very little but what i know is very helpful and i've learned a lot over my career as an attorney and i think it's important that in this legally complicated world we all be given the advantage of having an attorney in our back pocket so the point of this podcast is to help you learn what you don't already know and to give you an advantage in life as you move forward. Right. Now, if you're if you're already in legal hot water, uh, this is probably not going to help you much. Uh, it, it, this is more or less for uh, advice for keeping you on the straight and narrow. And, and we should probably say uh, that none of this advice is actual legal advice and should not be taken as such. Uh, and of course, we're absolved of all, I guess, culpability. And 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 is that the right word? I don't know. I'm talking like I'm a lawyer. It's complete <laughs> the, crap. The fact is, every situation is different. And to get true legal advice, you really need to sit down with an attorney in your area who knows the local law, the local customs, and state law to really help you with that advantage. But that being said, there are some general things that you should know about the legal world and ways to protect yourself and improve your life by using an attorney. And you wouldn't necessarily know that unless you've talked to one. Okay, so I'm going to ask the first stupid question in a very long string of stupid questions. Um, aren't all lawyers evil? Isn't that, isn't that the truth? Well, naturally, we all have our little evil <laughs> devil's horns sticking out of our heads. But, uh, no, most attorneys really do want to do good in the world. And most attorneys are here to help their clients. Yes, there are those ones that we all make fun of. And there are those ones that are the butt of every lawyer joke. And let's face it, we've heard all the lawyer jokes. But most of us are not that way. For the most part, we are above board, we are easy to talk to, and we will explain things in a way that everyone can understand. So you're just, you're professionals doing your profession in a professional world. Exactly. Okay. So uh, so for our first topic today, uh, and I, I uh, the way that this is going to work is I will never know what the topic is until you tell me what it is, and I think what we should probably try to start off with is... Um, I should probably take a, a wild, wild stab in the dark and try to figure out what the hell it is first, and then you tell me how very, very wrong that I am. Does that sound like a good approach? Sounds good. Okay, so what's our first topic here? First topic are the three crucial documents that everyone should have after the age of 18. Okay. Um, social security card, uh, a driver's license, 
and um, I don't know, <laughs> an Amazon account. <laughs> Good try. Um, social security card you get at birth, driver's license in most state is 16 if you can pass the test. Um, and an Amazon <laughs> account, well, naturally everyone should have one of those, but not necessary for life. Um, the three documents I'm talking about. You and I disagree on that particular state assessment, <laughs> but you know, we'll move on. So, yeah. The three documents I'm talking about really are your financial power of attorney, your health care power of attorney, and a will. And most people think, I'm 18, 19 years old. I don't need those documents. I don't own anything yet. But it's really not about protecting just what you own. It's about protecting your financial situation as you move forward because one little accident, one not being able to act for yourself and you can wreck shop for yourself financially and it will impact you for the rest of your life. No. Oh, cheery. All right. So <laughs> the good news is there's ways to avoid this from, from happening for the most part, I'm assuming, right? Or is it is this airtight or is this? Absolutely. There's lots of ways. Um the, the big one to protect yourself financially is to have a financial power of attorney. And that is when you give your power to someone else to be able to act for you. And there's several different types of powers of attorney fi for finances. But primarily, this is for your younger crowd. It might be giving your parents a power of attorney. And you're trusting that they will not act for you unless you need them to. So this is this is on the I guess in the situation where let's just say, you know, Jimmy's riding his bike to work one day and and a, a, a city bus comes and, and, and hits him and puts him into a coma and he's unable to make his decisions for him. Is that for himself? Is that correct? Well, that's for the health care. OK, but let's talk financial first. Jimmy's in the hospital. OK, Jimmy can't log in and pay his bills. Okay. Jimmy can't call his car payment people and say, car payment people, I've well, been hit by a bus. The bus ran over his hands, so you know he can't do any of those things. So. Right. Yeah. If he's in a coma, he can't make those phone calls. Oh, well, that's true. But yeah. a financial power of attorney can. Okay. So they can call and get a forbearance on your student loans for a an immediate illness or injury. That power of attorney can go to your bank and say, bank, we need to do whatever it is we need to do. Uh, we need to write a check. We need to call the car payment people, pay the mortgage, um, or at least put those companies on notice. And most financial companies, whether it be a mortgage company, a credit card company, your student loan payments, they all have programs where if the shit has hit the fan, you can skip a payment or you can go on a hardship forbearance where it will not impact your credit and create a mess that you have to clean up once you're out of your coma or whatever it is that's causing the problem. Okay. All right. So uh, power of attorney should go to basically your, I mean, anybody who's who just, who's ever heard of you. Neighbors, friends, guys, you went to, that's stupid. I know that that's not even true. I'm not, I can't even no. fake that. No, obviously you want to do this with somebody who you trust. Exactly. So if you are still at the college age or just unmarried and single through your 20s, you know, you trust your parents. So you give your parents financial power of attorney. We put it in a sealed envelope and we say, don't touch it unless you need to. But you're giving this to someone that you trust. Right. 
The other big thing is married couples. It used to be once you were married, you could handle each other's stuff. That's not true today. So married couples especially always seem to think, well, we're married now. But inevitably, only one person is on the cable bill. You each have your own separate car payments, separate student loan payments. Well, if something happens to one of you where you'll be okay, but you know, you're out camping, mauled by a bear, it's going to take a little while to recover from that. <laughs> you need your spouse to be able to act for you to if you make fight sure. fight the bear, you should, I mean, you should be able to take the bear down. Come yeah. on. Yeah. You've, you seldom win a battle with a bear. <laughs> But important things. Not if you train properly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's important though because you now, there is a business to a marriage. There's a business to running your life. And if you don't have these kind of things in place, that person can't continue on with the business of the marriage and make sure the mortgage is paid or whatever else it is unless they're on that account. And often they're not on that account. So it helps to have this as a safety net document to provide for yourselves moving forward in case something happens. Okay, okay. So that's that's the power of attorney, and uh, pretty much any any legal representative should be able to help you get that. You really need an estate planning attorney. Most okay. people think estate planning, and they think I have to have lots of money and be old and be planning to leave my assets to someone. <laughs> Estate planning I think doesn't. It's the word estate that does that. It's like, yes, my estate. Yes. 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 It sounds very prestigious. Yes. And whereas in reality, your your estate could be your boombox and a bag of Cheetos that you left behind. You exactly. Know? Right. The fact is, it's still somebody has to deal with your stuff, right. whether it's you know your college books and all of the beer cans from last Saturday's party or <laughs> if it's <laughs> I, I'm definitely putting that in my power of attorney who has to deal with that shit right but it could also be you know your IRAs your insurance your school debt notifying all of your creditors okay so maybe this is a sideways question but what about and this is just because just my, my head is always in like the social media realm. What about like online accounts? What about like like Facebook? What about Twitter? What about all of those things? I mean, those things exist. And I mean, is that part of this or is that a completely separate thing? Depends on what you're wanting to do. Okay. I always include it as part of your will. Okay. So a financial power of attorney is your power being given to someone else while you're alive. Okay. The power dies with you. Okay. Which then turns us over to the will. And the will is appointing someone who's going to wrap up everything. Okay. And that includes closing your accounts. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a little weirded out when it's my cousin's birthday and he died three years ago and he's still showing up on Facebook. <laughs> or if he's liking photos, that's a real big problem. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's that's a different kind of advice. Uh, and there's actually somebody in my building that could help with that. So. Oh, the paranormal specialist. Yes, 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 yes. So, okay, so that would be more in the way. But have you actually put like like Facebook stuff in, in wills for people? I, I put it in what I call a letter of instruction that says... Here's where you go to shut down my accounts. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. That, 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 that's really interesting to me just because like, I, I just, I didn't ever think that Facebook would make it into like legal documents and, and stuff like that. And, oh, but yeah. it makes perfect sense because it's for most people, that's their online life, you know? 
Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Yeah. Oh, God. Just shut it down on Pinterest. There's no reason to keep that crap around. <laughs> oh, you're just mad because you don't like to pin things and make cute little ornaments. My wife ornaments. started one, and, and I she showed it to me. She said, isn't this neat? And I'm like, eh, I guess. Can't you just remember where these things are? And of course, no. I can't. No, I can't remember anything. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. It's so. creative stuff, and you get recipes. Come yeah, on, recipes. Totally. Cool. So, very exciting things there. But the fact is, those profiles will live on and on and on unless someone shuts it down. And then you're a cyber ghost. And, and in order for your spirit to move on to the next realm, <laughs> you have to have all of your social accounts shut down. Otherwise, you have unfinished business. So, yeah. essentially what you're doing is you are you're preventing ghosts. Yeah. That's... Yeah. You're ghost busting. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so demeaning here. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so so that's Will, and I figure do you want to just talk about that now? Since sure. We're kind of, yeah. So why wills are important? Most states require a bond if you have to go through probate, and what that means, at least in Ohio, where I practice law, um, is that you have to have a bond for two times the cash value of whatever is in someone's estate. Well. That may be nothing, or it may be a lot. Um, and if your people, who would normally go handle your stuff, are not one specific, specifically stated in your will, then it's just whoever wants to do it, basically, hmm. um, who's somewhat related to you. So if you're in your 20s, it might be a parent, a sibling, probably not a child that hopefully wouldn't be old enough to handle those kind of things. Um, <laughs> my six-year-old is, is, is my, <laughs> he's in my will. Yeah. Right. But your credit may not be high enough to be able to be bonded. And that then creates an issue and it costs money. And every time you have to get a bond, you then have to pay money and that gets expensive. What, why do that for want of a simple will that says, hey, this is my person who's going to handle it. It's called an executor. Here, if that person can't, here's the backup guy. And I'm requesting that they serve without bond. You save the money right off the bat. Okay. Okay. All right. So basically, it's just like, you know, if I kick it, then the person that I choose is going to make the decisions based off of what my final everything is, including shutting down my, my social accounts and, and, and handling all of my finances and that sort of thing. And if that person is also incapacitated, let's say we were traveling in the same on, on the same like a, a, a bicycle built for two and we both got hit by the city bus, then then the third person on the list, which, the, and, and you should never travel with all three of these people at the same time. <laughs> no, that's a bad day. Um, so yeah, so Will does a couple of things. First, it says, here's who's going to get my stuff and what proportion of it. And that stuff could be bank accounts, IRAs, cash, real estate, and then just your personal possessions. Then it says, this is the person or group of people in a list who is going to be the one in charge of gathering everything up and dispersing it per my will. Okay. And so they're wrapping up all your financial affairs, closing down everything, dispersing what you need to disperse to those people. The other things wills do, um, and this more plays into effect if you have children, is it names a guardian for your children. Oh, okay. Okay. And if not, then you have court proceedings and people can fight over your children. So, so 
Iron Man, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, choose the superhero. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't choose Iron Man. I'd choose Batman. Come on, let's be real here. <laughs> oh, because then they can lock the child in the basement with the bats. Great that choice. That never happens. <laughs> Batman doesn't do that. He would just become Batman's ward, naturally. And the Joker would probably kill him pretty early on. So, Because that's happened a couple times, too. Right. I I digress a tad. So let's go back to the the actual point of the show. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when mom and dad, for instance, one of them pass away, the other one naturally takes control of the children, natural guardian. What if you don't know who mom or dad is or where they are? What if mom or dad... How do you not know who mom is? Well, Well, no, I, I... Okay, they're weird. Okay. That's a dumb question. Right. So, sometimes you may know mom's name, <laughs> but you don't physically know who she is. You couldn't pick her out of a crowd. She hasn't been in your child's life for years. Yeah. That's not the person you want your child to go to. Right. And it's a big deal. Yeah. The other thing would be is if you don't have that person named, families could fight. So that could be like, you know, if you don't have that person named and let's say, you know, mom is the the sole uh, guardian of, you know, little Timmy and mom dies and then she didn't name anybody else for Timmy, then Timmy could theoretically like his his dad, even if he's a an alcoholic or something like that, could come in and make a significant claim. Is that absolutely. And I mean, dad still has some rights anyways, because he's dad. Sure. There's always rights when you are the natural parent. But what if you have an alcoholic brother who you definitely don't want your child going to, and he makes a claim and the court decides because now it's not in your control and you're not stating an opinion because you are dead and gone. Right. So then it's up to a court, and a court could say, well, parents, grandparents are a mess, mm-hmm. and they're 80. Or uncle here, well, we don't see any real problems with them, <laughs> but you're giving your child to your alcoholic brother, and right. you're not around to speak for that. Right. Versus perhaps the best friends that you've had for 30 years who are married with stable environment and would love to have your child become part of their family if you are gone. Yeah. Then you're providing for that in your will. And that's important. Yeah. And it's a protection for your child. Gotcha. Okay. That's one of the big things for wills, especially for parents with younger children, anyone under the age of 18. Very important document because it's controlling who gets the children when you are gone. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so that's uh, so that's the the power of attorney. Then the last will and testament is that right? That is correct. And then what was the third one? Third one is a healthcare power of attorney. So okay. Financial power of attorney takes care of your finances. Makes sense, right? The healthcare power of attorney tells the doctors who's going to make your decisions if you are unable to make them for yourself. Okay. This could be because you were in a car accident and are unconscious. Mm-hmm. It could be you're on a medication that renders you legally incompetent. If anyone has ever had outpatient surgery, you always have to bring that responsible adult with you to take you home. And you have to point at that person and say, if I can't make my decisions, that guy's making them. Well, you don't get to do that if it's an unplanned event. So the healthcare power of attorney says, this person's making my decisions. 
And with that comes a lot of powers. Um, obviously, you always have to be included in the loop. <laughs> Even if you legally can't make your decision, they can't just, you know, walk over to the corner and say, hey, let's talk about whatever. Pull the plug. <laughs> and then leave you out of the that. loop. I would do that next time, like, somebody has to have wisdom teeth out or something like that when they're just like, pull the plug. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a limitation on one of the powers. Um, in the healthcare power of attorney, you are giving the power to make a life-ending decision. But it's if and only if two physicians who have examined you determine to a reasonable degree of medical certainty that you are, one, in a permanently unconscious state, or two, in a terminal condition where but for the life support you are on, you will pass away in a reasonably short amount of time. So that's the only time that power of attorney can make that life-ending decision. The other limitation is the power of attorney cannot cause you pain. So <laughs> <laughs> you appoint your sister. Well, Got to put she, him down. Give me the crowbar. <laughs> she, she can't look at you and say, you know, all those years you used to punch me in the arm. <laughs> Paybacks are hell. And say, no God. pain medicine for him. Can't do it. <laughs> So there's limitations. You can't ever cause harm. You can't ever cause pain. You can't withdraw comfort care. Okay. So anything that gives comfort, the power of attorney cannot okay. get rid of. Okay. But the power of attorney can make the decision to withdraw a treatment that is no longer working that you had originally consented to. Okay. Power of attorney can decide where you're going to go for rehab. If, you know, you've been in a car accident, you still can't make decisions, and you need some long-term care for a while to recover. Okay. They okay. can help choose that. Okay. It also tells the pecking order. This person makes decisions first, then followed by this person, then followed by that person. If not, spouse could have one opinion, your parents could have another, they could fight. Gotcha. We don't want But fighting. that never happens, though, right? No, never. I don't know if anyone has heard of the Terry Schiavo case by any means, Boy. but it was national news several years ago. The young woman in Florida who was on life support, her husband said, pull the plug. Her parents said, no, she's still alive and there's brain function and she'll open her eyes. And two years later, after a very long and expensive legal battle... And a very sad legal battle, too. I mean, it was, it was a heartbreaking situation. Absolutely. And husband saying, this is my wife. She wouldn't want to live this way. She always said, if I am a vegetable, pull the plug. Yeah. And parents are like, no, no, no. We don't want to let go. Yeah. We have to keep her around. She could recover. She could recover. And that's recover. so hard because everybody involved is so emotionally tied to what's going on. I mean, even if I mean, let's just put aside for the for the moment that somebody may have, you know, sinister motives or something like that for this. I mean, it's still I mean, it's I mean, think, your judgment is so clouded by your emotions in that situation. And I mean, I, I, I don't I mean, I know what my wife's feelings are on the matter and she knows what mine are. But still, at the same time, come down to it. I mean, it's you're saying, yeah, it's that's it. You know, I mean, that's 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 hard, you know, and. So, yeah, these things need to be ironed out as clearly as possible. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Right. And it's very hard, and we all think it'll never happen to us. But the fact is, the greatest risk for any of us today is at least a short 
term disability. Um, and I always use the example that when I was in law school, my one brother's appendix ruptured and he didn't go to the hospital for a few days, like five days. Um, Should be fine, though. Right, right? yeah, I mean, no problem. Take some Tylenol and drink right. some Gatorade. He thought he hurt his back. Uh, you know, silly middle child. He just wanted attention. <laughs> but really what that led to is a month in and out of intensive care, nearly dying multiple times, multiple surgeries, almost bleeding out. Drama, drama, drama. Hmm. And we didn't have these documents in place. Now, he was lucid enough at the beginning to at least say, Dad's making my decisions, sign things at the hospital. But what if he hadn't been? Yeah. What if there was a dispute between the family members? Yeah. What if any number of things? And we didn't have that financial power of attorney for him back then. So we're, you know, tapping on him. Hey, do we need to do anything? Yeah. And, you know, he's in and out of consciousness. This is not the best yeah. time to be getting good information. Yeah. To protect someone's financial world. Yeah. So that's why the two are important because one says... He's going to make my medical decisions. The other one says, this person's going to handle my finances. They don't have to be the same person. But when something like that happens, yeah, we need people to be able to act for us. What What are the, the reasons people put making these decisions off? People, people put this paperwork off. Oh, there's lots of reasons. First, no one wants to talk about their own mortality. Oh, yeah. The, the fact is there is one certainty in life, and that is that it will end eventually. Hey, if you're listening to this right now, you're going to die. <laughs> right. Period. Yeah, and as an estate planning attorney, you know, it's a morbid topic, so I have to create fun ways to die um, because you're talking to people, and you're like, so if you're at a concert and you dive off the speakers and no one catches you, you break your neck and you're gone. Unlikely, but possible. And kind of a rock and roll way to go if you're going to go. If you're going to go, go out big. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to talk about. Also, people think, I don't have that much yet. I don't need it yet. But we're not talking about wealth dividing here. That's all. That's a whole other discussion. You know, how to grow your wealth, how to protect it. That, that's a different discussion in the estate planning realm. realm. We're just talking about the three basic things that everyone should have. And it's because we want to protect you from having these problems and creating a mess for yourself that you then have to dig out of. Yeah, and, and, and the, in the worst case scenario, if you are the one who kicks it, I mean, part of the reason I think death is unpleasant for people to explore you know, mentally is, is because you think about, you know, well, you know, what's going to happen after I'm gone? How are people going to react? You know, that kind of thing. And if, I mean, if you have loved ones, if you've got family members, if you've got a wife and a child or a husband or whatever the case might be, I mean, the last thing you want is to add more pain and suffering on top of, you know, a, an already crappy situation. And the best way to do that is, to have a simple estate plan and it, think about it even for your college kids or you know 20 somethings you know their parents are dealing with the loss of a child something parents should never have to go through it's not the natural progression in life and then after that they have to deal with a mess and going to probate court and probate court's not a big scary place well, when they should just be healing you know or trying to 
make sense and pick up the pieces, you know, and instead they're being forced to deal with the government. And God, who wants to do that ever? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not a bad place, but it just drags things out and yeah. it takes time and everything you have to file in probate court has a cost to it. Okay. So every filing. I'm glad you brought up cost. What is the approximate cost of getting this, this paperwork taken care of? Sure. It depends on the attorney you go to. But, you know, your simple financial power of attorney, for instance, ranges between about 50 to $150. Um, there is consultations, and it just depends on the attorney you see. Yes, you can go to LegalZoom. And you can pay for whatever their charge is. I'm sure it's less than $50. Problem is, you're not talking to someone who knows what they're doing. So they're not going through your individual circumstances and advising you on the different types of powers of attorney and limitations we can build in. And it's not customized to your circumstances. So there are those online sources out there and so many people in the their 20s and 30s think well i can get it online and it'll be great problem is we don't know what we don't know there's a lot of things you can get online that are great legal advice is probably not one of them exactly um just because <laughs> says the guy who's in the middle of a legal podcast right <laughs> now right yeah but the fact is i mean you're not talking to an attorney so you're you are giving yourself legal advice and unless you've been through law school and practiced a few years you probably don't know what you're doing it's as ridiculous as giving yourself medical advice exactly yeah. Yeah. webmd might put you on the right track yeah. but it's would not. you perform surgery on yourself no yeah. no that's stupid right yeah. same same idea here so you know that's what you're looking at for a power of attorney um simple wills couple hundred dollars um i know i run packages for like a single person of three hundred dollars gets you the will the health care power of attorney financial power of attorney and a living will which is a whole separate document not what i call a mandatory document but it's there and it's an important one to at least have the discussion about okay okay Married couples get a discount because they normally re are reflective. It's normally everything to him or her. Yeah. Uh, first decision maker, him and her. <laughs> and then you name all the backups in the right. backup plan. So, you know, it's pretty simple. There's a discount there because it's simple. You do yeah. it at one time. Totally. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, so reasonably inexpensive is what it sounds like for this. And, and definitely something that everybody should. I mean, that's the, the whole thing title of the episode is three documents you need to have right and then there's a couple others that i would say are optional um, okay. those are the living will and if you have children limited powers of attorney for your children so the living will a lot of people get this confused because we call it a living will and then you also have your last will and testament or just a will um and everyone gets these confused and what a living will is is that's advanced directive saying if two physicians who have examined me determine to a reasonable degree that I am um, a reasonable degree of medical evidence that I am permanently unconscious state or in a terminal condition where but for the life support death is imminent within a reasonably short amount of time. Um, so basically, I'm a vegetable, pull the plug. You are making the decision. So the healthcare power of attorney gives that power to someone else. The living will is you making the decision. And that's 
you taking control. Mm. So they work hand in hand. Okay. They're not, this one is not necessary. I call it a safety net document. Safety net document because if everyone you've named as your healthcare power of attorney uh, is in the car with you when the bus hits. <laughs> You're on a very long multi-rider bicycle. <laughs> right. And the city bus comes and hits all of you. Right. And you are now a vegetable and you don't want to be a vegetable. Obviously, you can't speak to yourself. <laughs> Someone can produce that living will and say, he's already made the decision. Gotcha. Be done. Um, because I think a hot topic issue for all of us today is dying with dignity and not wasting away and not laying in a hospital bed for months or years, wasting away to nothing and slowly dying. Right. I don't think most of us want to be that. No, not particularly. No, no sounds yeah. kind of horrible to me. Now, dying with dignity does not extend to people who slip on the bar of soap in the shower and crack their head open on the toilet. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> yeah, that's that's whole a whole other, other thing. Yeah, and God help you if that's the case. But you know, it's but, absolutely yeah. So that living will is a safety net that's there. For a couple reasons. One, it's removing the burden of your loved ones making that decision. Because, you know, when the doctors come out and say, okay, family, it's time for us to make a tough decision. There's nothing more we can do. The family can talk and then say, well, so-and-so's already made the decision and hand over the living will at that time. Gotcha. Okay. Um, my one cautionary tale about a living will is it is not... A do not resuscitate order and that can get confusing a living will says save me save me save me save me try everything you can but once you've done everything you can and two physicians who have examined me determined to a reasonable degree of medical certainty that I'm not coming out of this then you may pull the plug that's after they've notified the two people you've put on your living will that they should notify okay a do not resuscitate is something you sign at the end of your life when you are ready to go. You have been fighting cancer, you've been diagnosed with congestive heart failure and have been in and out of the hospital for years and you are done. You just next incident let you go and it says if I am unconscious, if I stop breathing, if my heart stops, do not touch me. Hmm. Period. And it's a difference. Yeah. And it's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> but occasionally that gets misunderstood. And so you always want to be your best medical advocate. Scream all day. You have a healthcare power of attorney. Tell your healthcare power of attorney. Scream all day. You're the healthcare power of attorney. Living will. Let's just bring that out when and only when the doctors say, okay, family. Nothing more we can do. It's time to make that tough decision. Right. Because if not, then you're having to fight. And who wants to fight? Right. Medical errors happen. Be your best medical advocate. Don't build in opportunity to delay care. Right. Now, is that the cautionary tale? Or That's is the that... cautionary tale. Okay. Cautionary tale there. Okay. Has nothing right. to do with um, the legality of it. It's just that's... Make sure that it's clear. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, so we're talking basically the three three documents. Just to just to recap, uh, you're talking about your last will. Yep. You're talking about your power of attorney, financial one, and a healthcare one, and a healthcare one, and those are the three. Those are the three, and then the two that are optional. 
that just depend. It's Which the living, living will. will. And then the fifth one depends on if you have children, and that is a limited power of attorney for school and health. And that happens, for instance, um, if you travel for work, if you leave your children with the grandparents for a week, um, often they cannot get them treated for things like a sinus infection. If they break their arm, they can take them to the hospital. The hospital will treat them. Okay. Okay. But it's for those everyday things that the hospital, the doctor, whoever wants that parent there. Well, if the parent can't be there, we just throw in a limited power of attorney for the children and you don't give it to everyone. The daycare does not need it. It's nothing Mm -hmm. like that. But if you're going to go on your 10th anniversary trip to Hawaii and you're gone for 10 days, leaving the kids with grandma and grandpa, let's give grandma and grandpa that limited power of attorney and a copy of your insurance card. Just in case little Timmy gets a sniffle and needs to go to the doctor. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. You normally tell the school, yes, these people can pick up my child. Okay. Okay. It's that one time that you have the new person who doesn't know that grandma is allowed to pick up little See, Timmy. See, I'm thinking about it, and I, I'm almost certain that we don't have that, and that's stupid. So, yeah. You should. It's just a safety net document. Not required. It's not the absolute minimum standard. Okay. So, we're getting a little higher level here. But if you think about it, good idea to have yeah because if all hell's breaking loose you've been in an accident mm-hmm. we now need health care power of attorney so somebody can make your decisions but somebody still needs to pick up little timmy from school and oh lo and behold they pick up little timmy and it looks like he has chicken pox and needs to go to the doctor well you and your spouse probably a little busy kind of making sure you're staying alive right Who's going to handle little Timmy and are they going to be able to get the treatment that's needed? Gotcha. So we look at your whole circumstances and that's the importance of talking to someone who's an attorney in your state who knows what the situation is and can direct the exact documents you need and draft them to customize them for your life. If not, you're getting a boilerplate document that may or may not fit your situation. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, so those are the documents. So you got the three ones you definitely need to have. You got the two backups. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, awesome. Um, well, we are going to uh, try to conclude every single one of our shows with uh, a, a lawyer joke of the week, and I've got this week's lawyer joke of the week. And it's it's uh, I feel like I have to start with this one because it's like the go to lawyer joke, and you've probably heard it before. But what do you call ten thousand lawyers chained up at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, what a good start! <laughs> that about wraps it up for the fine print, and uh, we're your hosts. Jen Route. Attorney at law, by the way. Jen Route, attorney at law. And and Ben Needenthal, complete jackass who knows <laughs> nothing about the law. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. This program is meant to be informative in nature and does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously, could the main character in Suits actually exist in real life?